Highlander has an amazing soundtrack, if only because it's Queen. I forgot where I was heading with this. Moving to Cecil, then. Radio Drome. Here we are, born to be kings. We are the cast of Radio Drome. Here we belong, fighting to survive in a war with the darkest power. I am Josh Hadley. Cecil Trachtenberg is probably cringing right now. Just a little bit. As well as Alex Jowski. Alex McLeod Jowski. Go to adamandeve.com, use the promo code DROME, you'll get three free DVDs, 50% off of a single item, free U.S. shipping, and a free mystery gift. That's for using the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. So, tonight we're going to be talking about, we're going to do a retrospective on the Highlander franchise. This actually kind of came about due to Alex Jowski, and he's the one who suffered the most. The Highlander franchise is kind of a surprising franchise, really, when you get into it. Because Highlander was released in 1986 on a $19 million budget. It was a box office bomb and only made $12 million. That's after sitting on a shelf for nearly two years. Because it becomes painfully obvious when you watch the film with the numerous references to events in 1985. And one time when they say 1985, that this film was supposed to come out quite a while before it did. Christopher Lambert, Sean Connery, Clancy Brown, Roxanne Hart, directed by Russell Mulche, based on a story by Gregory Wyden. Highlander is a fantastic movie. Highlander is a fantastically long movie. I mean, it's really good. It's overlong, but I liked its intent. It's the best work Christopher Lambert has ever done. Sean Connery was really doing good in his post-Zardoz days with this. I liked the premise, and it didn't explain why these people are immortal, nor did it ever need to. I really enjoyed the first Highlander movie, which I'll say now is the only one I really enjoyed. Oh, I love the first Highlander movie. It is it's just awesome. Like, it's one of those movies that it's such a shame that it bombed when it first came out. I mean, it, it has since gone on. It found its Rec- audience on, it, not, even, not even on video, HBO. Mm-hmm. This became an HBO staple. Oh, yeah, because I think that's when I first saw it. I think I first saw it on cable. I didn't see it in the theaters. But this was also back in, you know, 86 when movies weren't getting 3,000 theater releases. They were still kind of getting the stagnating, you know, across the country. They'd open in, you know, 100 theaters here, 100 theaters there. And and if they didn't catch on in one state, they would usually just kind of fizzle out. So it, it Maybe if it would have gotten a wide release back then, it probably, well, it possibly would have done better. I think the concept was a little far-fetched for people at the time. They weren't really getting into it. And it wasn't until, like you said, when it started getting replayed on HBO that uh, it took off and it found its audience. But uh, I've always had a soft spot for it. I think that just the sword fighting is great. The acting is great. The story is great. I didn't think it was overlong, but I don't mind movies where they kind of take the time to set things up. Because sometimes I think a lot of movies, they they rush too headlong into things and they kind of skip all the character development. Not saying that's why Alex didn't like this one, but or didn't like, you know, the length of it. But I don't know. I didn't feel that way with it. I just I just love it. But there's there's something that that kind of goes to what you just said. It was clear the studio had no confidence in this film because they didn't release it wide. They held on to it for just under two years before releasing it, and they cut the hell out of the movie. All that character building stuff you liked wasn't in the theatrical version. All of that was only in the European cut. In America, we got we got no intimations of the, the of the relationship between Connor and Rachel. We had no background on Brenda and her knowing kinda what Connor was about. We had no background on Castagir. We had almost no background on the Kurgan. All of that stuff was cut from the U.S. release. That, coupled with the relatively small release, coupled with the holding it for almost two years, 
the studio just wanted this thing gone. They didn't care. I think this thing becoming a success was a surprise to everyone involved down the line. Absolutely agree. And it's sad because time and time again, that happens. You know, a studio will put the money into a production and then the director and everybody involved will finish the production. Here's the movie we're, we're, you know, we've made, we're happy with this. And then the studio will be like, ugh, we can't market this and we'll butcher it or do whatever with it or just sit it on a shelf and then, uh, you know, release it years later on a dump month. Like look at uh, Taken. Taken the studio had no faith in. And then they dump it out into theaters in January, which is a dump month. It ends up being a huge success, and now they're getting ready to do the third movie. So <laughs> it, this was a case of, you know, it, it surprised the hell out of them because they didn't know what they had. Well, it, it's also kind of funny. Go back and read in British sci-fi magazines versus American sci-fi magazine reviews like Cinema Fantastique and Starlog. Because of the fact that they saw radically different cuts of the film, it was almost completely panned by U.S. critics – and hailed as absolutely brilliant by British critics. The same thing happened the year prior with Brazil, which was also released in the in a same, the Europeans get the real version, the Americans get the American version. And it's just kind of funny how, how that happens, isn't it? If the American distributor, 20th Century Fox, had just released the real version, which is only like 12 minutes longer, so it's not a major difference, do you think the film would have been more well-received in America, considering the status it has now, if we had some background on why Rachel is kind of his lover daughter in the present, or we had some background on why Castigier's death was supposed to have resonance to us? I don't know. I mean, it's it's tough to say because uh, you never know how it would have been received back then. I would have hoped that audiences would have been more into it. Then again, you know, some movies come out and they have zero character development and they're just hollow shells of a movie. And yet they end up becoming monstrously successful. So there's a chance that it might have come out with all the stuff intact and audiences would have found it boring. So I would like to think that it would have been a hit, but eh, it's hard to say, really. Honestly, it's one of those movies where the backstories and the, the mythology... The less you say, the better that... I gotta disagree with you, especially with Castigier and Rachel. I think both of those characters are much are much more three-dimensional characters. With, with seeing Connor rescue Rachel from the Nazis, that explains not only how she knows what he is, but, but why their sort of father-daughter and lover relationship isn't all that creepy. That Nazi scene was cut? That Nazi scene was not in the original. Oh, well. So, no, all we saw was old Rachel in the original cut, in the U.S. version. That's why that scene is kind of pivotal. Yeah, why did, did they did, why did they even cut that? That's like a two-minute scene. A Nazi's going to shoot her. He shows up and says, hey, come with me. It plays a Queen song, and that's it. Why did they cut that? You know, it, it's the same thing with, uh, with, with, with Castigier. Castigier, we, in the British version, we see another another scene of him and Connor getting together and we see that they're friends. They're not really looking forward to the fact that they might have to fight one another. But of course the Kurgan gets to cast a gear first that builds the fact that when cast gear gets killed in that alley, it mattered. But the fact that the first time we ever see cast gear is just, Hey Connor, Hey cast gear. And then he dies. His death has no resonance in the American cut. Actually, yes, it very, very much does. It does. Because if you just have random black guy dying, then that's just what the hell are you going for? Having backstory for Castigear makes sense. And so I think they just butchered the hell out of this and just completely destroyed it in the U.S. cut. And then that's not even bringing up the fact that there are other scenes that have never been seen. They cut a scene with an Asian immortal named Yong Dal Kim. He was cut from the film, and then a fire at the storage warehouse destroyed all the footage, so there, it, that scene exists nowhere. And there was also a cut scene that was destroyed in the same fire, where we find a Mongol warlord that brought the Kurgan up until the Kurgan betrayed him and killed him after being trained in the, in the ways, which showed just how evil and untrustworthy the Kurgan was. Again, 
I think those would have been cool scenes. What do I know, apparently, right? This is one of those times where I will say I am happy for the digital revolution of sorts because, you know, movies are being filmed and then they're archiving them digitally. So uh, as long as the storage warehouse, wherever they would have the footage stored on the hard drives, didn't get erased or they don't get corrupted or destroyed in some way, shape or form, they could still exist. So if something like that was to happen, okay, well, this warehouse that had the footage, you know, burned down and we lost all the footage, but it's it's okay because we have it saved, you know, to our cloud drive or we have it saved somewhere else, then it would still exist, so to speak. So it is a bummer that that kind of stuff happened because there's so many awesome movies and awesome clips and footage and stuff that's just been lost that we'll never recover. But future generations will be able to see every deleted scene from Transformers 2. So That's true. But then there's one – before we move on from this, there's one other weird thing. With Highlander being such a bomb at the time, you'll notice in the end credits it says that there's a soundtrack album. There isn't. Because the movie bombed, they never released the soundtrack. Now, since Queen owned all of their own songs, they eventually – all the songs wound up on later albums of theirs with one exception. Their version of New York, New York has never been released anywhere, and they have never released it officially, and they've only played their version of New York, New York live. So the version that you hear when the Kurgan's driving, that's the only real version of that song. So they recorded it. For whatever reason, it never got released. You don't actually, yeah, you don't have an official soundtrack, but Queen did release all the songs on their greatest hits albums and stuff, and I love Queen's music. I love everything Queen has ever put out. Highlander has an amazing soundtrack, if only because it's Queen. I forgot where I was heading with this. Moving to Cecil, then. It's a soundtrack that probably would have sold better than the movie did. I can't argue with that. This came out in 86. It bombed, came out on video, and... HBO in 87 kind of meandered around for a while. Surprisingly enough, after finding its audience on home video and on cable, in 1991, a British-French production company decided to make a sequel. The notorious sequel, Highlander 2 The Quickening, which had a monstrous budget of $34 million. That's almost double what the first film had. Bringing back Sean Connery in... With what they paid him and his amount of screen time, he made almost $1,000 a second, which is kind of ridiculous. They brought the original film's director back, Russell Mulche, and Highlander 2 The Quickening. I can't – it's not even the worst film in this franchise, which we'll get to, but this is a bad film. This was an ill-conceived film on every single level. Now, all the immortals are from a planet called Zeist. They're time travelers as well as space travelers. It takes place in a cyberpunk future, which I actually thought was kind of cool. It's got interdimensional travel. You can now bring back the dead. Sean Connery's able to summon all of his life force at one moment to save a friend. This film is a disaster. Okay, when I watched Highlander 2, I was trying to understand why would anybody involved with Highlander do this? To the franchise they were a part of and it occurred to me that maybe they didn't tell them that this was highlander 2 they just told them this is a sci-fi movie about aliens so you're an alien here you know who happens that, to be named connor mcleod and deals with quickenings that, that maybe that was added in post it wasn't no 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 i think i think that this was that, that they tricked everybody involved and this was into believing this was a totally different movie. That's the only way I can believe that this actually happened, because this movie is terrible! Okay, Cecil, Alex is going crazy. Your thoughts? 
I remember when they first started running like ads and promotional spots for this and they were plugging the hell out of it. There was like an MTV uh, like making of the movie and they showed that really it's a it's a movie, but they showed that really awesome shot of where Connor is uh, he he's sliding down the rail and his sword is sparking like that. The one I always remember what what was the uh, the tanker truck with the big lips on it slamming into him into a wall. That I remember. That image was everywhere before this movie came out. Yeah, that was so the other actually one. a cool image though too. Oh yeah, I mean that was the thing. The, oh, the movie there was, has uh, there was clips of him on that like what hoverboard looking thing everywhere. They had a lot of cool stuff, but this is a case of they explained what they didn't need to explain. This was but midichlorian. But they did it in the worst possible. Well, okay, no, not the worst. We'll get there. <laughs> the second worst possible way you could have done it. Yeah, th- this was midichlorians before there were midichlorians. It was like they explained all this stuff that didn't need to be explained. They could have just left it up to your imagination or maybe hinted at a few things here or there. Nope, there are aliens from this planet and there's time travel. And it just seemed like they were working way too hard to over explain things. And it just became this complete mess. And it's full of really cool visual shots like we were talking about. But as a narrative, as an as a story that was telling this tale, it just was bad. And the, the way you can tell that this is a really bad movie is take it out of the Highlander mythos for a second. Just look at it as a cyberpunk sci-fi movie. And it still fails. That tells you that, that this was a bad idea from the get-go. And Russell, Look at it has any sort of cinematic narrative, and it still sucks. And director Russell Mulche apparently felt the same way. After 15 minutes of his contractually obligated appearance at the premiere, he walked out in disgust and told reporters not to talk to him. That tells you even he couldn't stand the final version. We'll get to what he later did to the film in a minute. But this film does have some positives. It's got a great cast. Honestly, Sean Connery and Christopher Lambert have great chemistry with each other. Michael Ironside as the villain is amazing, and good God does he look like he is having a blast playing General Katana. It's got an amazing production design, a fantastic score. Really, where this movie failed was on the script level initially, and then when it came to editing, the Bond company took over. So... Russell Mulche didn't even have control of the final edit. The bonding company decided what would sell more tickets. So there are some positives to the film. Or am I crazy? There's absolutely nothing positive to it. You are crazy. And in fact, you're speaking about this movie as if you've never even seen it. It, it's, it has some cool visuals, neat You concepts. tell me Ironside does not look like he's having a blast. Well, Ironside I, a lot of times looks like he's having a blast. Ironside looks is. like he's having a blast in everything he ever does. Like, I don't I don't hate the movie. I just think it's a bad movie. And believe me, I've seen far, far worse. So I, Spring I, Breakers! Spring Breakers. Good God, Spring Breakers. It d- obviously didn't go over well. It, it only made back a little over half of its budget. So, again, you had a major flop. Somehow, Highlander had this great audience, and they just kept screwing it up. So, four years later, Russell Mulche, in 1995, made a director's cut, which he called the Renegade version, which is one of the few times a director's cut is actually worse. Yes, the Renegade version, Alex, is worse than the theatrical cut. In this case, I'm actually glad I watched the theatrical cut instead. Here was the thing. Because everyone hated them being aliens and from the planet Zeist, and he only had existing footage to work with, so no one would come back to ADR, so in, a, in an effect, his hands were tied when it came to recutting the movie, he decided to use some alternate footage and rearrange some dialogue, so now they're not aliens. They're actually from a far-flung time in the past, where immortals have been put here from God and the priests banish them to different times by sending them all to various different places in the future so no one can win the prize all at once. That's not better, is it? No, that's just... That's trying to take something that's existing and, and shoehorning it into another movie. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of a mess. It's not better, no. 
No, and it makes me think, you know, what was going on in 1991? I mean, were aliens popular at the time? And that's why they tried to shoehorn, like, oh, look, they're aliens into it? Because nothing in that movie makes sense for why they would go that route. Well, and we also have to talk about, then there is another version of the movie that the British got. The British got a different ending than we did. Ours ends, it ends. The British got the Star Lovers ending, where Connor, having won the prize again, apparently, ascends to the stars and takes Virginia Madsen with him, and they embrace over a star field, watching as the shield falls. Yes, that existed. Wow. Yeah. Yeesh. I... I it, what just a of course it would have a, an uh, even more ridiculous ending why not well then after this failed and this actually started to grow the cult of the bad movie thing because just like highlander highlander 2 found a life on cable and on video because this quickly got the reputation of the worst modern movie ever made kind of holds held for quite a while actually and then for some reason, it was decided in 1992 that they'd make a TV series out of this. Highlander 2 The Quickening failed, so let's make a TV series, which, thankfully, completely ignores Highlander 2, and it's a direct sequel to the first movie only. And you even have Connor appearing in the pilot as sort of a passing the torch to Adrian Paul as Duncan McCloud, our new lead. The thing with the TV series was it was made for because Highlander was much a, lar a much larger franchise in the UK and in Europe. This was made for for European television. I made you watch the pilot, Alex. Did you notice the nudity in this that would that clearly would not have aired in the U.S. version? That was the first thing that gave you a clue that Americans were not what they were thinking of, and not that why. That's that didn't give me a clue to that because I've seen sci-fi original movies that were you know released on DVD and had tits all over the goddamn place that they didn't air on TV obviously so I'm just like oh well this is a scene they shot that they t tossed in the DVD for it so I mean I knew it didn't air boobs in the US the TV series lasted six seasons and a spinoff which we'll get to in a minute I enjoyed the TV series for what it was. Till the sixth season, which was god-awful. Wait, there were six seasons of that piece of shit? All right, Alex, if you want to get your side out, I'll talk later. Your side of this. And you've only seen three goddamn episodes of the whole series. Okay, it is so boring, so fake. And like I told you when you forced me to watch it, I'm like, why did they even cast Adrian Paul when they could have cast a Driftwood, which has more emotional range than this guy it is so boring and i knew from the first episode what every single episode in the series would be it was going to be here's the immortal of the week that he has to go kill and yeah generally that's the tone of the whole episode eventually they enter introduce mythos and the watchers and all that but that's so few and far between it's immortal of the week over and over again that show is boring cecil you want to help me out a little here I like the show. <laughs> what can I say? I actually stumbled upon it by accident. Uh, I was home one afternoon. It was like a Saturday. And I, it just happened to be on the, the pilot. And I was watching it. And I'm like, wait a minute. This is Highlander. But it's not a movie. And I was all you, like... You didn't know Christopher Lambert was in the pilot? Well, I mean, he wasn't in it until... Like at the time, it was uh, it was just Adrian Paul. And, uh, and I mean, you know, Christopher Lambert shows up later, but I'm watching it and I'm like, this is totally Highlander. What the hell's going on? And then I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Cause this is back when, you know, we didn't have the on-screen guides and all that shit. So we, we didn't know, you know, it was like, all right, this is, what is this? So I was happy. I was like, oh, this is cool. It's a Highlander show. And I watched it and I really enjoyed it. And then I started watching, uh, you know, it in, in regular rotation and I don't know. I always thought it was cool. Uh, later, I think past season three, I don't remember what happened, but I know I missed a lot of episodes. So I kind of saw them here and there and then later went back and watched them in syndication. But I always enjoyed it. I thought it was a cool show. It it started off like a lot of shows start off where they have uh, their foundation. Like, look at 
Quantum Leap. Quantum Leap started off uh, as the first just, two episodes of Quantum Leap were awful. Yeah, you know they 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 did that, but but what I'm saying is that they started off with every episode he had to figure out what to do with you know to get you know to to leap again, and then they kind of started incorporating more elements into that, so it wasn't the same thing over. But and over But when they again. brought the Watchers in in season two, that was a huge shot in the arm for all the different directions that the series could and did go in. Yes, yeah, I it will wasn't... admit that The Watchers is a very good plot point. Mm-hmm. And th- they became a major one. They even had some almost all Watcher episodes. There was a civil war between The Watchers at one point where where Watchers, led by an evil Watcher named Horton, thought the Immortals were too powerful, and he was started secretly killing them all. He even killed Roger Daltrey, who kept appearing in the series in flashbacks, where and then you had Joe and the good watchers battling the evil watchers with the immortals, ironically enough, stuck in the middle. I'm like, that's a really cool storyline for a Highlander show. And the show lasted technically five and a half seasons because the sixth season was only a half season. The, the show got great ratings and it was only all the stars were only contracted for five seasons. So for season six, they had trouble getting everyone back. The only way they got Adrian Paul back was allowing him to direct. And season six reeks of, we know this is our final season, and we know we're getting a spinoff. Of the 13 episodes, 12 technically, because two of those are the two-hour series finale, six of those are backdoor pilots that were trying to introduce new characters that could potentially be in the spinoff. So for season six, you have all of the main cast regulated to supporting cast in their own show so you can introduce new characters you hope to spin off. I mean, hell, there were two episodes in season six where Duncan didn't even appear, and he's the star of the show. So you had those issues, and personally, Alex, I like Adrian Paul. I liked him on Dark Shadows. I liked him on War of the Worlds, the series. I liked Duncan McCloud. I like Adrian Paul. I like Adrian Paul when he's doing a fight scene and has absolutely no acting when he's just swinging a sword and doing some awesome fight stuff because that's what he was professionally. That's why they cast him for the role in the first place. But when he opens his mouth, it's just record screech. The series was quite successful. Before we get on to the spinoff, in the middle of the series, they decided to make a third movie. So Highlander 3, The Sorcerer in, in Europe, or the Highlander, The Final Dimension in America, took place in the middle of the third season of the TV series. And they specifically went out of their way to not only disregard, just like the TV series did, everything Highlander 2 did, but also to establish that this movie takes place in the same continuity as the TV show. There were numerous references to events in the TV show in the movie, and then the TV show referenced what happened to Kane in this. So these things are very much linked. So let's move on to Highlander 3, The Sorcerer slash The Final Dimension. This movie is almost universally known as Highlander 3, The Apology, because it was almost a straight-up remake of the first film. It had different things, but I'd say it's 70% a remake of the first film. I actually liked it. I I actually did like Highlander 3. I thought it brought some interesting elements into it. I liked the fact that even though the Immortals can't have children, he has a son in this that he's adopted who doesn't know he's adopted. I thought, okay, that's kind of an interesting angle. And I also liked the fact that they firmly establish, which will be disregarded later, that the whole rule of no fighting on holy ground is not so much an unspoken rule as more of a if you fight on holy ground bad bad shit happens to everyone involved we'll get back to that in a little bit my thoughts on highlander 3 i actually really enjoyed it mario van peebles that is mario right yes his dad is melvin yeah okay he does a great job has was it kane Christopher Lambert, he hasn't given up on the role yet. He's still doing really good, his Connor. The fight scenes are pretty well choreographed. You have that one where they're all on the wires and they're fighting, swinging on the ropes and everything. And then the final fight scene where they're like in a factory for some reason. I I don't care why because it's actually pretty badass looking. And – the most thankful thing is that it throws Highlander 2 out of continuity. It's actually a pretty enjoyable film. It's a much simpler story, easier to follow than even the first film was. 
my uh, feelings on Highlander 3, uh, I like it, but I think it started the downfall of the Highlander villains because uh, Mario Van Peeble, like he's I, essentially the Kurgan. He's, he's a black he's, Kurgan, really. He's a black Kurgan, but he's a bad black Kurgan. Like he just, I didn't feel any kind of menace from him. I was just like, uh, like he's kind of just there like he didn't he wasn't intimidating he was silly they tried to give him all these like cool powers and stuff and it just i didn't feel it like it didn't it it didn't really work for me i don't dislike him i mean he's been in some really cool movies he never really worked as a villain i just it it just didn't i mean it's still it was good and it was definitely a step in the right direction it was better than two but um God, practically anything was was better than two from in a from a series standpoint again this movie failed financially are you noticing a pattern here that this movie with a 26 million dollar budget only made just over 12 million you're noticing and a pattern that all of all of the hits. yeah all of the all of the highlander movies are complete flops at the box office bringing in on average about 15 per, about uh, 50% of their relative budgets which is surprising that they keep getting made but whatever so then this was a moderate success and then coupled with the TV series being quite a good success in syndication Highlander was a full-blown franchise at this point and a viable one so now let's move to the Highlander TV series spin-off so you've got they they knew they wanted a female character to be spun off from Highlander. That's what was with all those backdoor pilots in season six. When none of those characters worked, they just took Elizabeth Grayson's Amanda character, who was in a good 40 episodes, and just said, ah, g- give her her own show. So you have Highlander the Raven. The documentary on the DVD should be telling enough. The destruction of a TV series. The Raven was a disaster. Elizabeth Grayson was terrible in the role. You could tell she didn't want to be there. The series itself is essentially a buddy cop show where one of the buddy cops happens to be immortal. They rarely fought other immortals. It, there was almost no connection to the TV series other than a, an occasional appearance by a watcher. And Elizabeth Grayson was going crazy at the time. She had a boyfriend that was feeding her mind-altering drugs and had her convinced that the CIA was trying to kill her. I'm not kidding. So she was a complete hellcat on the set, and you can tell in the series also the fact that her and her main co-star have zero on-screen chemistry whatsoever. The Raven was a train wreck of a series and only lasted one season. You told me that it was so inconsequential that I shouldn't even bother with it. Exactly. So, Cecil? Yeah, it is just a, a mess. It's... It's one of those shows where I watched, uh, I think I watched the whole show, the whole series, because, you know, that's what I do. I bought I bought the complete series VHS set for a dollar at Goodwill. (laughs) I'll do that. And I kind of laughed at it like I didn't. um... Am I wrong equating it to a buddy cop show where one of the cops happens to be immortal? Yeah, that's because I mean, almost every episode was the cop gets into some mess with sometimes another immortal or. You know, something that he's in over his head on, and then Amanda has to come save him using her immortality, which almost always triggers a flashback to something else that she did. It was a goddamn buddy cop show. Yeah, it, it that's a perfect ex- explanation for it. Uh, Elizabeth Grayson was out of her mind. Uh, Paul Johansson. Literally. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which I didn't know at the time, but then you find out later and you're like, okay, now it all makes sense. Paul Johansson just had... If Alex Zero thought chemistry. Adrian Paul was a brick. Oh, God. He has about as much chemistry and, and acting ability in this. Now, not saying that it is his fault, but within this show, it seems like the acting that you would see on a softcore porno. That very, well, I'm going to, you know, it's just well, very bland. Also the fact that it turned out behind the scenes, which we didn't know at the time, that he and Elizabeth Grayson could not stand one another. And they actually, if they were not shooting a scene together, refused to be in the same room. But then also the fact that they had all that translated to the screen of them having no on-screen chemistry whatsoever. Zero. And it, it made it made for an entertaining watch because it's so cringeworthy and just corny and, and poorly constructed. And uh, I wonder 
it's one of those things where if that was on now, they would have never filmed uh, what all 12 episodes or however many they probably 20. Oh my God. It, it, la- they that lasted a full season. It's 11 VHS tapes. Holy mackerel. Yeah. They would have scrapped that on like second or third episode. They wouldn't have ran that for a whole thing. So then the Raven, it tanked, but then we move on in 2000. We move on to Highlander Endgame, which was supposed to be we're now officially bringing the TV series and the movie series together. That you've got Duncan and Connor together in a movie. It's much smaller budget this time, probably because of the theatrical disasters that we had prior. Endgame comes out, and it's bizarre. Because Dimension, Miramax, now has the rights. And this film is supposedly made for fans of the series, specifically due to the fact that if you've not seen the TV series, you cannot follow Highlander Endgame in any conceivable way. Even, well, it's hard to follow even with that. But that said, the movie comes out in an aborted sense, comes out with, as we talked about last week, a a trailer that just lies on every single level, Highlander Endgame is just a mess from beginning to end. Highlander Endgame wasn't that bad. I mean, the trailer is a complete bullshit lie. Well, I want to point out, Alex has only seen the theatrical cut, which I'll get to the cuts in a little bit. It's not that bad. It's got some decent action scenes, like the one with the Asian guy. And what is his face? The guy that's playing Kel in Endgame. Bruce Payne. Bruce Payne, yes. I'm Um, actually surprised they had sets left with all the scenery he was chewing. Oh, he is so gloriously over the top. Bruce Payne makes it delicious fun. Didn't mind Highlander Endgame. Yes, you do have to watch the series to get it because Mythos and what's his name, Joe? Joe, The Watchers, Mythos, well, and even Duncan. Yeah, if you've not seen the TV series, you are absolutely lost from the minute one. Yeah, you you need to have watched the series to get it. But I didn't find it too bad. Overall, though, it did feel like really high-budget 90-minute episode of the series because it was just like Highlander of the Week all over again. This is my favorite Highlander movie after the original. Bruce Payne, I wanted Bruce Payne from Passenger 57. I wanted the lean, like badass Bruce Payne and instead we get the doughy I I'm having fun but I don't really know how to sword fight Bruce Payne so like when there's the one scene where he kills all the other Highlanders it's the most hokey thing here you have like uh Donnie Yen and all these just awesome you know Highlanders and then here comes Bruce Payne in his overcoat, and he's just like, uh, very sluggishly cutting their heads off. <laughs> it's so bad. Uh, but it's still, it's still good because the concept behind it was cool, and the idea was cool. And no, it didn't do what they did in the trailer, because as we, I wanted that movie. I still really enjoyed it for what it was. Here's why we have so many different cuts of the film. You have the theatrical cut, which is actually so inept, they actually released the movie to theaters with unfinished effects shots. The shot at the end where where Duncan is standing over Connor's grave, that's not blue sky behind him. That's actually the blue screen where they forgot to composite it back in. I'm not kidding. They literally released this movie unfinished to theaters. Not to mention that, they cut out almost everything that could even be close to be cons- being considered character development because, as Dimension put it, they, they needed it to flow better, that the movie didn't flow right and that they wanted it to flow better. So that's why in the theatrical cut, almost no, no character has a motivation for why they do anything. No character has any kind of fallout for why they do anything. No character has a relationship with anyone else for why they do anything, because all of that wound up being cut. Now, that said, you'd go, oh, well, well, they put out the director's cut on DVD. That'll make more sense, right? No, because not only do they put all that stuff back in, they put them in in the wrong order. Some of the scenes that they put back in are unfinished, and they contradict 
some other scenes that they shot to replace the scenes that they cut but are still left in the director's cut. So you've got just a complete dis- – the, theat- the, the director's cut is actually more of a disaster, and this is something that Alex didn't know. Faith f***ing lives in the director's cut. She gets her head cut off and killed, and even in the director's cut, that still happens, and then she just waltzes back into Duncan's life at the end. Test audiences liked her character. Then you get the fact that the sanctuary in Highlander Endgame is specifically said to be on holy ground. So when Kel goes and kills all the other immortals there, that should have triggered a reaction like in Highlander 3, right? Highlander fans were pissed at that. So the theatrical version redubs the dialogue that says it's on holy ground, so now it no longer is. They couldn't get Adrian Paul to come back to do ADR, so half of the looping is done by an Adrian Paul, in quotes, sound-alike, who is clearly, obviously not Adrian Paul. Christopher Lambert didn't want to come back to do reshoots, so there are numerous times you can clearly tell it's not Christopher Lambert, but it's a stunt double that looks nothing like him. This movie is a complete train wreck on every level, and it was just designed to piss off the fans of the series. Then they release another version of it. The DVD has the work print version, which is a different work print than the one leaked online. So that's now four versions of this film. Then you have the TV version, which uses scenes from the theatrical cut and the director's cut to make a fifth version of this train wreck. Did we need five versions of Highlander Endgame? No, I thought the theatrical cut was completely sufficient. Why did they have to re- keep redoing it? I mean, Christopher Lambert was better in this than he was in the Highlander TV series because... He really did not want to be in the TV series. That, he's made clear, was a contractual obligation. And you can tell yeah, him. I mean, he was just hate-fucking-everything in the TV series. But And here, he's into it. I mean, yeah, it was kind of a shock to, spoiler alert, see Connor McLeod die, but it fit with the story. And you know what? It gave Christopher Lambert a good out. That Faith character, I didn't like her. Who the f*** liked her? Test audiences oh, yes, liked her? That's the other thing. That's the other big screw you to the TV series. It's explicitly stated no less than three times in the six seasons of the TV show, Duncan McCloud has never been married. So now we find out that, oh yeah, he was married back in the past. Just never came up on the TV show and we decided to contradict that because f*** you Dimension! Well, see, now you're just scream- you're screeching like a harpy. I do that, apparently. <laughs> there was the trailer for this movie that had all those scenes, a million dollars worth of scenes, shot specifically for the trailer. And it clearly didn't work because this movie broke even. $15 million budget made $15 million. So the only way... Hey, that, the, the only way a high, movie, but, that's a box office record. Yeah, for the Highlander films, the only way they can break even is by keeping the budget under $20 million. That's not a great way to run your franchise. Highlander Endgame, I thought, was a disaster. Do you see... Do we, both of you see why this failed, though? Both on a studio interference level and they banked on you having seen the TV series or you weren't going to get this. Do you see why this movie didn't exactly work? Well, mostly the TV series thing. I can see that because if it's based on a TV series, you have to be familiar with the TV series to get anything. This should have been a TV movie. Hey, they can make a $15 million TV movie. I don't care. But why did it get a theatrical release to the general public who a lot of them were not aware of the TV series? Um, I don't know. At the time, it just felt right. I think the show was popular enough and they uh, were – Because the the, the TV series had just – gone gone away the raven had just been canceled so there was nothing else highlander out there at the moment i don't know for me it just seemed like a natural progression okay the show ended and they were planning on doing this movie and they were going to kind of continue this back as a movie series only with uh, adrian paul in the lead instead of christopher lambert and they were going to kind of continue with that if if it was a success which it just kind of broke even and so they didn't really continue the way that they had hoped and then this being such a disaster it went away for a while 2007 so 
Seven years later, Highlander the Source was foisted upon us. You know what? I'm going to say it. This film is worse than Highlander 2. I think Highlander the Source is not only the worst thing in the entire Highlander canon, and that includes the Raven and the cartoon, which I'll bring up in a minute. I think this is one of the worst, most inept movies I have ever seen. And I do not... There's no way that this movie cost $13 million. This looks like... This, this movie, I have seen Kickstarter-funded independent films that have a better production design and better special effects and, and better aesthetics than Highlander the goddamn source. Not just, Let's leave that aside for the moment. This is, takes place in a post-apocalyptic future. guess you didn't learn from Highlander 2 that that probably is not going to work, even though it could in theory. But this has... Let's ignore everything from the TV series again and find out that, I swear to God, I'm not kidding, that the Immortals were put here by God at the beginning of time and that only the purest of heart can, can become a true Immortal and, and have a baby which kickstarts human evolution into its next phase. I'm not kidding! Okay, this movie completely sucks on every level. I mean, before when people were telling me, oh, Highlander the Source is terrible, Highlander the Source will piss you off because of how bad it is, I assumed that they were talking about, okay, they changed the mythos, you know, well, like they did Highlander that, though, 2. Too. They did do that, yes, but I thought it was that kind of piss you off. Because Highlander 2, if you take all of the mythos changing out of it, if you change take the continuity out of it, it's not terribly made. Highlander the source is fucking... The action scenes are just like a Would blur you, of Alex, terrible. Since you just watched it, you finished it right before the show, do you see a $13 million budget there? No. This thing looks like the Asylum made it. Because it's just... Everything in this movie is ugly. It's terribly done. The effects are shit. It's... This movie sucks on every possible level that any movie can suck. Yeah, it, it's it's a mess. It's such a shame. Uh, I would say I don't doubt that it cost thirteen million, but thirteen million didn't go into the film. A good chunk of that probably went into some producer's pocket who walked off with it, and uh, which more than likely has a large part into why the film is such a disaster. It's a shame because um, again. Best of intentions, cool ideas, cool things that they wanted to do that ended up just being a mess. Uh, I haven't seen it in a while, but um, yeah, it's just it's just a goofy, weird thing. I mean, I don't I don't hate it nearly as much as you guys do, but it's not a good movie and it's not something that I would recommend. I, I see Highlander the Source as the these are the voyages for, to Star Trek that this is such a slap in the face with a dick that you you will never recover in my mind from how awful this is because first of all Adrian Paul says this is a Highlander film made for Highlander fans and I'm going how let's see you destroy all the characters you destroy the mythology you change all of the mythology you rape the the continuity you just you can't eat you the, the cover of Princes of the Universe, you can't even afford Queen anymore. The cover of Princes of the Universe is a goddamn new metal Evanescence Princes of the Universe style cover. It is it's, an ear rape. Oh, God, I heard that and I took my headphones off. I just had to sit that one out. So It's, yeah, this film is a hate 
to Highlander fans. And then to hear Adrian Paul on camera talking about this thing's like a love letter to Highlander fans and it, it gives them everything that, that they've wanted out of the series and answers all their questions. Adrian Paul is doing one of two things. Either he is completely fucking clueless or he is one of the best goddamn liars out there because nothing he says about this film is true. Okay, uh, you, you want me to rant more about the source? How about, I mean, you didn't even touch on those effects. That everything is like, they, they make the, what is he, the Guardian? Like, yeah. super fast. And he fucking sings. He, he has the most insulting line to, to who that's, wants to live forever? Yeah, and I'm like, oh, thing. God. They thought they were clever breaking the fourth wall. The, the, the code to break into the computer is there can be only one. He sings Who Wants to Live Forever. When Joe hits him with his car and he goes flying over a garbage heap, he goes, Hello, Joe! What were you thinking? Why did you think Highlander fans would be okay with this? Or when they go to, they, they see that, that thing that, that's like laying down that, that tells that them about the- That Jabba the Hutt guy? Yeah. yeah, and he's like, I wanted to see the source, but I was good enough. I was like, oh, God, this acting is terrible. I, I think that uh, it is it is just a mess, and I can understand people's hatred for it. I don't know. I think I'm just so jaded because I've sat through some real garbage. Uh, like, I try to find the nuggets of, of goodness in some films, and I don't – like I said, it's been a while since I've seen it. I don't remember hating it that much. I remember not liking it, but I don't remember having, like, the white-hot hatred like I had for, like, Juno, where I was like, oh, my God, I hate this movie. I agree with you on Juno, by the way. Hey, we agree on something. Imagine that. <laughs> I remember, like, watching it, disliking it, and just kind of moving on, so. Well, and that we also have to bring up, and it is just a footnote. That's why I'm only making it a footnote. There was an animated series on the USA Network in America, at least, in 1994, that is kind of an obscure, weird little thing. It doesn't follow any of the movies. It follows the McClouds on a future planet. Ramirez is in it. Yeah, Ramirez is in it. But there's no continuity from the first two movies. Third movie hadn't come out yet. It's, it's a complete contradiction to everything and completely takes place in its own little, hey, what if this were a fun Saturday morning cartoon? Highlander, the, the animated series, is a disaster. I used to think the worst thing about the franchise, but then the source happened. I know Alex loved the cartoon, though, because, okay, here's where Alex is an idiot. The cartoon was his introduction to this franchise. Yes, the cartoon was my introduction to the franchise, and I watched it every weekday morning. It came on right after Sailor Moon. You know what? They found a way to, to make it pacifist that instead of cutting somebody's head off to gain their powers, they, they came up with sharing where you cross swords and you share your powers with another immortal. It was a nice little adventure thing. I mean, they only made like a season, maybe two of it. Well, there were uh, some episodes where uh, they didn't share. Uh, they had a bake sale and then whoever won the bake sale would get their soul. It was the, the, corny. the cartoon was horrendous. <laughs> I think everything that happened after 1986 proves to me that Highlander, their original film, was a goddamn fluke. That this was a fluke. That Pander Davis have no goddamn idea what they're doing. That film being good was a fluke because they have had their hands in every single Highlander project in in total. So they are the ones specifically to blame for the source and Endgame and the Raven and the animated series and, and the quickening. This is their fault. I think there's no other way I can put it. It, it was an accident that the first Highlander was a good film. Yeah, it really was. Maybe that's kind of, in a, in a weird way, the fact that uh, the studio didn't have any faith in it is what made it be a good movie because if they did have faith in it then there probably would have been too many hands in the pie and then the first movie would have ended up like two and three and four and uh just they would have overanalyzed it and added stuff that didn't need to be there and made it silly so i think that it probably was a fluke that the first movie was good and then um i do enjoy the series but again the people that were 
primarily involved with the movies didn't I mean they didn't have a whole lot to do with the uh, they were executive the producers but they weren't they weren't line producers or day to day exactly from, from what I understand from the commentaries on the DVDs that they was basically like is this okay yeah all right mm-hmm. they were there to you know they to, were just there to okay stuff to okay stuff and to get you know get a paycheck so whereas they were hands on with the movies. Yeah, I mean that's that's probably the best explanation. It's like it just it was a fluke that it was good, and it's kind of sad because it's a, it's a great movie, I think, and for have it uh, having it be just a, a mistake is is just weird to think. Well, because the, the way I see it is everything since 1986 has been wasted potential. There is so much potential to follow that movie without even contradicting the ending. You could have it take place in 1982. You know, you don't have to have it come after the fact. I think there is so much potential in a Highlander franchise that no one even tried to hit. Before I go to you, Alex, I also want to mention there was a, an anime movie called Search for Vengeance that came out that has nothing whatsoever to do with anything Highlander other than it's got immortals that can only die by getting their heads cut off that came out a year or two ago. I have not seen that, and I've been told it's, well, it's not as bad as the source. So take that as you will. The first film is a fluke. I'll agree with you on that because the first film is great, and that's about it, really. I mean, everything else was an attempt to cash in. So that's all I got to say about that. So the way I look at it is maybe someday we'll get a good one, because but we, we can't end the show without talking about they've been threatening for years to make a remake of Highlander. You're going to love this, Cecil. Diablo Cody is scripting it. Sure, why not? Because, you know, when I think Highlander, I think snarky teenager. The director, <laughs> of, uh, the director of Twilight is the, is the attached director, and they want Ryan Reynolds to play Connor McCloud. I'm not making any of this up! Ugh. Now, I, I like Ryan Reynolds when he's in the right role. As of recently, they've been, they've been kind of making him a horse's ass but uh he was he was good and there's a lot of movies where ryan reynolds is genuinely good in but lately i don't know what the hell they're doing with him they're just directing him poorly and then just diablo cody needs to just stop i everything i've yet to see her do anything that is of any kind of merit i'm they can do whatever they want with that remake i'm not gonna watch it all right well since we are indeed the princes of the universe where can we find alex Alex McLeod, as he put it at the beginning. Sorry, it was Alex McLeod Jowski, and you can find me at geekjuicemedia.com. Where can we find Cecil Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez Trachtenberg? Uh, I was going to go with uh, with Mick Trachtenberg, but uh, you can find me at uh, goodbadflicks.com as well as geekjuicemedia.com. And you can find Josh the Kurgan Hadley. Yeah, I get to be Clancy Brown. Eat it. At geekjuicemedia.com as well as 1201beyond.com and contact the show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. And come on, we all know what song I'm about to play.
1201 Beyond production. Visit 1201beyond.com for more great shows.